Happy Wednesday, podcast listeners. A special hello to our regular listener, Nero, and to those listeners in Centerville, Maryland, and Grand Rapids, Michigan in the U.S., and in Hartford and Chelmsford in the U.K. Thanks for listening. In this second week of 2018, it's turned cold in Hong Kong, even as cold as 6 degrees Celsius. That may not sound too much to listeners in Canada or Sweden or even Russia, but when you live in a cement block designed to keep the heat out and have no central heating inside, well, let's just say it's a good thing the people of Hong Kong have warm hearts because the rest of us are frozen. In view of this cold snap, we thought the story Tracy told the 2017 Hong Kong International Literary Festival would be the best thing to warm us up. The show was hosted by Janita Smith. Tracy went on to have the story published in print form in the New York Times Metropolitan Diary, which is pretty impressive, but we still think the version she told live on stage here in Hong Kong is just a wee bit better. But then, we could be biased. But before we listen to Tracy, let me remind you that if you're in Hong Kong, you are welcome to come to any of our free weekly storytelling workshops. You can find details on meetup.com or on hongkongstories.com. And if we like your story, you may find yourself on stage in front of a live audience at the Fringe Club in Hong Kong. We hold monthly shows. Tickets are now on sale for a January 31st show. And details of future shows can be found on the website at hongkongstories.com. Hong Kong Stories. It's better than drama. It's better than comedy. It's real life. Here is Tracy with her story about how things hotted up on a night out in New York. Look, lots of people have a thing for firemen. It's super normal. In fact, the fireman fetish is one of the most popular fetishes out there. Like, if there was a collective mental library of sexy turn-ons, Fireman would be up there on the top shelf, filed somewhere between the cowboy and the dumb jock. Everybody knows a classic image of a shirtless fireman with the suspenders barely skimming over those rippling muscles, the work pants, and the helmet. The fireman fantasy satisfies everything that any one of us could ever want in a lover. Someone bold enough to go dashing into a burning building yet sensitive enough to rescue a kitten from a tree. (laughs) Personally, I'm not so much into firemen. If I'm gonna flip through that collective mental library of sexy turn-ons, I'm more likely to stop at like the bad boy biker or the rock star, kinda depends on my mood. But anyway, I love the notion that there somewhere exists this unconscious cloud of ideas that all of us can draw on, that we're connected and we understand each other. Like, for example, if I was gonna tell you that one night this past summer, I went out in New York City, I left my husband and my children at home, and I set out to have an epic girls' night. You know exactly what I'm talking about, right? (laughs) I don't get that kind of time alone these days, and certainly not in New York. So on this particular evening, I set things up, wall to wall to wall, I set up, afternoon cocktails and pre-dinner drinks and dinner and after-dinner happy hour and late-night dancing and maybe an after-party. And everything was falling into place perfectly. And at around 11 o'clock that night, I was on my way to pick up my girlfriend 
from her apartment. We were going to go back out again. And I was so happy. And I was in my own little party cloud. And I was texting. And I was telling the next group of people where we were going to meet up. I got to my girlfriend's building. And I waited for the lift to come. And the lift came. And I got in, pushed the button, and we started going up. And then all of a sudden, the elevator jerked to a stop. And I raised my head slowly. And I saw that all the lights in the elevator panel had gone off. And it seemed as though we were stuck between floors. And then I turned my head. And I discovered that I wasn't alone inside the lift. There was another gentleman in there with me. So I greeted him, as one does. <laughs> and we exchanged a kind of like, I'm cool. Nobody here is panicking. <laughs> and he smiles at me. And he says, you know, I'm sure that we're going to start moving in a minute. This type of thing probably happens all the time, right? Probably happens all the time. So I wasn't freaking out. I wasn't going to freak out about how small the space was that we were stuck in together, or about how the walls were so thick, and I couldn't hear anything coming from the outside, and it felt like we were locked inside a bank vault, or that the air conditioning had stopped working. And it felt like we were hermetically sealed inside a tiny little box. Wasn't going to freak out about that. I wasn't going to freak out when I realized that my phone wasn't working. I turned it on and off a few times, but it had no signal, no bars, no service, nothing. And it wasn't picking up any Wi-Fi. I was unplugged, truly, untethered, lost somewhere inside an anonymous apartment building in the belly of the whale. New York City had essentially swallowed me whole. But I wasn't freaking out. And we were able to talk to the doorman. And after about 15 minutes, the doorman told us that there was nobody answering when he called the emergency service hotline. Maybe because it was after 11 on an August weekday. Who knows? Also, the building manager was on vacation. OK, no problem. Took my shoes off, and I sat down in the corner of the lift. And the guy that was stuck in there with me and I made some small talk. But at around the 30-minute mark, I could tell that his nerves were getting to him. And the energy coming from his side of the elevator was not good. <laughs> and he was like rocking back and forth. And he was sweating a little. And at a certain point, he got this wild look in his eye. And he turned to me and he said, hey. Question, do you believe in God? <laughs> so then I started to freak out a little bit. <laughs> and I decided that I was going to size this guy up. And I asked myself, could I take him? <laughs> like... If I'm going to live out the rest of my days in this tiny little box, and this dude and I turn on each other, I need to know, can I defeat him in hand-to-hand -hand close combat? <laughs> and after I defeat him, how do I feel about eating his flesh? <laughs> Raw. Because, like, I wasn't going to cook him, right? I didn't have any tools, and the space was kind of small, so it's either, like, eat him raw or starve. And normally, cannibalism wouldn't have been my thing, but <laughs> desperate times. And after that, we stopped talking to each other. <laughs> <laughs> and
And at around the 45 minute mark, it became clear to me that nobody was coming to get us. So I decided to write my last will and testament in the form of a whole bunch of texts. My phone still wasn't working, but I thought maybe if my body was ever discovered and my phone still had some battery, then the text would send then, kind of like my own little sad messages in a bottle. So I picked up my phone and I began to write. I wrote to my husband. I told him that I loved him. And I wrote to my girlfriends, and I asked them to look out for my kids. And then I told them, in excruciating detail, about the type of memorial service I wanted them to have for me. <laughs> and I shared what our time together on Earth had meant to me, and maybe a few words of wisdom, some lessons learned, some profound tidbits upon facing death. I wrote and I wrote and I kept pressing send and my phone just churned and I knew that I would be long gone before anybody ever read any of this. And that knowledge was bittersweet. And then all of a sudden, the fangs of a crowbar appear underneath the elevator door and we hear banging and the lift shakes and the guy in there with me and I clutch each other and we gasp and we watch as the door is ratcheted open an inch. And there's more banging and more shaking, and the door opens another inch. And I crawl over, and I peek out the gap, and I can see, like, maybe half of someone's face and a suspender. <laughs> and some work pants and the very distinct line of a fireman's helmet. And I rejoice. And I crawl back over to my phone, I pick it up, and I start writing a furious addendum. The firemen are here! I'm not going to die. <laughs> and we watch them do their work. And I stand up and I put my shoes back on. And after they get the door open enough, I can see there's actually a crowd of firemen out there. And they reach for me and they take my hand. And they help me climb back out into the world. And as I breathe in the sweet, sweet air of freedom, my phone gets a signal and my messages climb out into the world also. <laughs> and before you know it, my phone is pinging like crazy because my friends and family all over the world have read the harrowing account of this past hour. And they're writing back to celebrate my return to life. <laughs> so I decide to read the messages and I open them. And every single one, including the message from my husband, says the same thing. They all skip right over the deep and meaning fail, right over my profound words, right over my lessons learned, and they go straight to the dramatic rescue. And every single message says something like this. O-M-G. Firemen? <laughs> Were they smoking hot? <laughs> or firemen, grr. <laughs> Did you slide down their pole? <laughs> or firemen, yum. How big was their hose? Like, what is wrong with people? These men saved my life. They prevented me from murdering another human being with my bare hands and eating his flesh raw. Were they hot? Who asked that? Apparently everybody asked that. Everybody has the same question. Were the firemen hot? And you know what? They really, really were.
Thanks for listening to this story brought to you by Hong Kong Stories. If you want to know more about learning to tell great stories, visit us at hongkongstories.com. If you enjoyed this podcast, don't forget to share it with your friends. And keep an eye out for new stories from our talented storytellers, published every Wednesday. Everyone has a story to tell.